All right. You guys ready to talk about Bloody Pit of Horror? Yeah. I'm always ready to talk about it. Now you do something. Yeah, you, do you, you make an, making a mission. No. Come on. There we go. We should do one of these coked up. I oh, think yeah. I coked up. We should. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know. That might be kind of annoying. I've listened to podcasts where I can tell they're on cocaine. and It's kind of annoying. Uh, wait a minute. I just had a great idea. What if for November... We did a Wings Hauser episode and we're coked up. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe we could each pick our favorite Wings Hauser movie or something. Right. You know, that sounds kind of fun. Doesn't it? <laughs> All right. Welcome to Twitch of the Death Nerve, a cult movie podcast that takes a deep dive into a different film each episode. Our wide ranging discussions will touch on genre, culture, and the history of psychotronic cinema. I'm Charles. I'm Sam. I'm John. And just a few short days ago, something happened. Some years, it's a slow creep, a rising buildup that ends in a glorious crescendo. But this year, arriving like a thief in the night, everyone on the East Coast woke up to a chill in the air. The sky looked different. The whole world was different. That evening, the faint smell of burning leaves and wood went from our nose to our throat to our bones. Yesterday, we were deep in the throes of a blistering summer, the hottest on record since the year before. But today, today it's fall. Today it's October. And while we are not yet in the heart of the season of the witch, I think I can speak for all three of us when I say that this feeling we have deep in our guts cannot be put into words. And that is why we are discussing one of the most gleefully demented Halloween party classics, Massimo Pupilo's 1965 film, Bloody Pit of Horror. Never before so much paralyzing terror as in this hair-raising orgy of sadism, influenced by the shocking writings of the evil, depraved Marquis de Sade. Bloody Pit of Horror. Starring Mickey Hargitay as the Crimson Executioner. They come to photograph seductive models against a medieval background and find themselves helplessly trapped in a castle of horrors. Susie! What? At the mercy of the twisted perversions of a madman who satisfies his lust by torturing his victims with the bone-breaking rack, the razor-sharp sword, the scalding boiling oil, the deadly spiderweb. These and other fiendish torments make Bloody Pit of Horror one of the most terrifying films ever made. Happy Halloween, you guys. Happy October. Finally. You got the feeling yet, John? Have you have you have you felt it? I know no, you've been working. Uh, yeah, but... I work on the boardwalk of eighty degree weather. And, oh uh, man, yeah. it's I, I felt it the other day, man. Like it, the it first... wasn't just cold. It was something else no, that happened. You, I can't believe you still fall. It's it's false fall. We always no. get false fall, Mm-mm. and then like, hey, no, we do hey. no, no, turn no. it around. I'm just no, I'm just saying, I'm not just saying like it's gonna come. It's, I don't we got appreciate a week of this, your negativity, but we're in false fall. We're in in real fall. (laughs) Okay, so I think this is going to be a really interesting episode we got. Uh, When I started taking notes for it, it 
it kind of reminded me oddly of our Pinky Violence episode, the Zero Woman Red Handcuffs, which is it's a movie that kind of came out at the tail end of the Pinky Violence subgenre heyday, but it knew every single trope that the genre had done to death, and it just fucking it cranked everything up to eleven. This one does a similar thing with Italian Gothic horror. And now I know you guys have definitely seen a lot more of these movies than I have. I think you're a little, you're better versed in the subject than I am. So I have some, I guess, real basic ass questions that I kind of want to ask you guys that may sound naive on the surface, but I think will help establish the footing that we need for our main discussion on the film itself. So, uh, yeah, my first question to you is how would you define the Italian Gothic film, and what makes it different from other Gothic films? Well, they really kicked off in the late 50s with Ricardo Freda's E Vampiri, which Bava co-directed. And I think most people listening to this show have seen Bava's Black Sunday, which is from 1960. And so you have this like strange window from 1960 to about 1965, which is when this film was made where you have all these movies that are, for the most part, set in castles. A lot of the earlier ones are black and white, really atmospheric. Almost all of them star Barbara Steele. And usually she plays like a double of herself, like her own secret family member who's been in hiding or her own ancestor. Yeah, that happens in a lot of these gothic movies. Like Vincent Price will do the same thing in them. Doubles, yes. The double is such a staple of gothic literature but they all have these great plots about people just being horrible to each other and then someone either a living person or a ghost or a vampire uh, or a ghoul of some kind has to come back and get revenge like they're basically all revenge films which not all gothic movies are for sure the torture device too it's like the the most popular i know we're gonna get into that hard but like it's like the most popular motif and all of them. I'm immediately thinking of, uh, is it an Iron Maiden they put Barbara Steele in in Black Sunday? It's, is that it's what like that a is? variation. Yeah, yeah, it's something yeah. like that. It's like if you took the Iron Maiden and made it into a mask, that's what they nail yeah. onto her face. It's yeah, so they brutal. they hammer it in on her. Oh, my God, what a great scene. Cover her face with the mask of Satan. Nail it down. May the cleansing flames reduce her foul body to ashes so that the wind will obliterate all trace of her existence. No! No! It's I who repudiate you, and in the name of Satan I place a curse upon you. Go ahead. Tie me down to the stake, but you will never escape my hunger, nor that of Satan! The unchained elements of the powers of darkness are lying in ambush. Beware, Griabi. My revenge will strike down you and your accursed house, and in the blood of your sons and the sons of their sons, I will continue to live immortal! They will restore to me the life that you now rob from me. I shall return to torment and destroy throughout the night of time. 
so I'm curious. I've, I've always kind of wondered this. I don't even know if you guys would know. Edgar Allan Poe, was he famous worldwide? Like, is he someone who got purchased? Well, one of the things, I remember reading this, um, is, it, is it Eduardo Gustaldi or Edward Gustaldi? The guy who wrote like 900,000 Italian horror movies. Uh, I mean, Eduardo, it, I think okay. he gets translated. As like, Edward? So, yeah. So okay. if, if you've seen, you know, any Italian horror movie from the 60s, 70s, 80s, before their like recent Blu-ray and DVD releases, they almost always had these like hilarious American pseudonyms, like Baba as John M. Old, yeah. which I always bring that up because so I think funny. it's so funny. Louis Fuller is yes. Lucio Fulci, but yeah, I think so. I think Gastaldi. They were like, "All right, we'll we'll give you most of your name, but you could be Edward." Okay, <laughs> well, I remember reading the interview with him. Was that when Pit and the Pendulum came out? It was such a hit that every producer walked up to him and was like, that's what we want. We want Pit and the Pendulum. And that whole Italian Gothic thing like came out. What When was Pit and the Pendulum? Like, it was early 60s. So I think Black Sunday was... Was before it. But even then, like you still see its influence. Even in Bob's, yeah. like, uh, The Whip in the Body is very much like like you just replaced Christopher Lee with uh, Vincent Price and it's it feels like a Poe one. It's almost like they're having a conversation and like borrowing from each other going back and forth. Right, right. Yeah, I never really I, I'm sure I've said this before but I never think it's like anybody stealing from each other. I think it's everybody like throwing oh, stuff yeah. into one big soup. Oh yeah, yeah that's how yeah. it feels. I was wondering this because I watched the trailer for Bloody Pit of Horror earlier and it mentions how it is inspired by... <laughs> The Marquis de Sade. That's what and, my big question for Sam was going to be. Yeah, well, I, I'm just I'm curious. Is that is because a lot of the Poe adaptations and even the H.P. Lovecraft adaptations, they're like they're not adaptations. Well, they're, you know well, what I mean? The stories are so short. Palace. Haunted Palace. Yeah, of course, not not all of them. But there are times where but I'll be yes. watching a movie called The Dunwich Horror, and I'm like, this isn't the fucking Dunwich it's, Horror, or like, or I mean, it's like someone was explaining the plot of a few different H.P. Lovecraft stories. They didn't actually read them. And they were like, yo, dude, I got the vibes. I got the vibes. Right. And also, it's like the stories are so short that they they let you yeah. interpret them in a certain way. That's how I look at it. They're interpretation. But I was wondering if this was kind of like Europe's answer to Edgar America's Edgar Allan Poe fascination was them being like, oh, hey, we have, you know, a dirty old writer over here, too. Much dirtier than Poe, obviously. But we have our own sort of maybe I would never quite call the Marquis de Sade as, as a gothic writer, but he's oh he for sure is a gothic oh, really? writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always just I mean for he's me it's just one of the first. Oh great! So take take it over, Sam. Well, so to sort of answer a question that you just asked first, Poe did have a following in Europe because in the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s, he got translated into French by Baudelaire, of all people, hmm. and who Baudelaire was really influenced by him. So you have all these later 1800s decadent writers and artists in Europe deeply influenced by Poe, but also influenced by Saad and, you know, the surrealists in the 1920s were huge fans of his. And oh, yeah, you can you can see it. Oh, you Just can totally like see it. titties in the sky with ants crawling on them and shit like that. Uh, but to answer John's question, 
It's weird because they definitely tried to do a similar type of marketing where it's like, you know, based on his works and you could kind of make a case that it is. So there's no literal short story about the Crimson Executioner, but 120 Days of Sodom, Juliet and Justine are all for the most part set in castles where the whole purpose of the story is people just want to torture each other in the nastiest ways possible, like way nastier than the Crimson Executioner could. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is like Saturday morning cartoons compared to Justine. Is Justine the one, uh, it's been a long time. Is that the one where there's the character Justine and like each chapter, like an even more harrowing, terrible thing happens to her where like the end is basically like, She's dead. There's no surviving this. And then the next chapter starts and it's like... um, She's back, baby. Yeah, it's almost like how in Rocky and Bullwinkle, how like just before the commercials start, like Rocky and Bullwinkle are hanging off a cliff. And then when they cut back, like after commercials, when the next chapter of Justine begins, she's like waking up in her bed, putting her like her shirt back on. Everything's fine, you know, like, oh. Getting ready to cry another day. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's a great story. Sorry, that's a bit of an aside. That story's awesome. Juliet's even better. I I don't think I've read that one. So Justine and Juliet are like, two different sides of the same coin that's what i assume juliet is the aggressor she likes torturing people and gets involved with all these other sort of male characters who are torturers but juliet sort of like the supreme torturer and the end of the book kind of implies that there's like this apocalyptic torture orgy where everyone like transcends their human Whoa. form hang to on, go on. on and no torture spoilers, for babe. all this eternity. This sounds amazing. <laughs> this sounds fucking sick. Yeah, what was up with Desaad? Well, why was he the way he was? He was just a horny dude. That he was definitely, definitely horny. Definitely. Was he an incel or was he? I've never read anything. No. I think he, was he fucked. Does he? he? Okay. Yeah. He, you have to fuck if you know. Like he, I don't know. You he could definitely did. I guess they didn't have the internet. <laughs> well, there was an incident where he basically force fed a prostitute Spanish fly. Which, oh Jesus! Which was? What's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What Spanish fly? Spanish fly was that there are different recipes for it so it's not just the same thing but Hang it's, on a it's an John, aphrodisiac you know, what, yeah. you know what it is yeah oh is that the stuff they sell at like gas station yeah. counters yeah. yes oh, it was, that's, but that's been around for yeah. hundreds Whoa. of years yeah. i thought that was yeah. new shit okay, okay no okay. no but so he gave her a bunch it made her sick he he was like we're gonna fuck anyway and she was like i don't think so and he was like okay i'll just torture you a little instead and then he got sent to jail but the real reason he got sent to jail <laughs> Is not because he tortured it's a sex of his worker. Writings, I assume. No, it's because he did write a bunch of really gross stuff, but he embarrassed other rich people, and they were like, "Okay." Between his sort of revolutionary politics, his filthy writing, this sort of scandal with the sex worker, his wife's family was like, "Okay." You know, aristocrats get away with doing whatever they want, except you, sir, have gone a step too far. Yeah. You will go to the best deal. So then he just was in prison writing his dirty stories, presumably jerking off a lot. And the French Revolution happened right outside the Bastille. So he's just like witnessing decapitations, like dozens of them a day. Yo, no offense to Edgar Allan Poe, but I feel like the Marquis de Sade, like... 
Oh, yeah. That motherfucker lived a life. Yeah, you know? yeah. Poe was just sad. Yeah, he was a sad little fuckboy dating his cousin. with mental just, illness yeah. Yeah. issues. Yeah. Both, We're both not going to dump on the guy. Both so, of them are super influential, though. For sure. So at one time, he could have, when going to jail, said, my vengeance needs blood. Oh, yeah. That's all I needed to know. Your castle will stand throughout the centuries as a reminder of the barbarism and cruelty committed within its walls. May the dust of time not erase from the memory of man the infamy of the Crimson Executioner. All right, I kind of want to bring things back to... Um, <laughs> to reality. <laughs> sort of, whatever you want to call it. The idea that Bloody Pit of Horror... Uh, when I first watched this last year around the same time, it didn't even register to me as a gothic horror movie. Even though it is, it's set in a castle. It's, you know, it's got a, the fucking... An, a guy in a fucking executioner hood. Yeah. The real title is the Crimson Executioner, which is like bloody pit of horror is such a great title. I can't be mad at it, but yeah. it's all about the Crimson Executioner. It certainly is. But the movie. Well, it's, it's Scarlet Executioner. Yeah, Scarlet. Which doesn't have, it doesn't sound as cool as Crimson Executioner. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, true. I agree. But what I'm getting at here is that it didn't even register as a gothic horror to me in my first viewing because it was just so colorful and so wacky and psychotronic and just i mean we're gonna get into it for sure but when you framed it to me the other day sam as being late in the game after a lot of these gothic horrors kind of set the table basically and also and started to feel repetitive and producers were like all right let's mix it up when you said that, it clicked in my head that it was just like Zero Woman, where all of these pinky movies have been coming out and they're all great and we're doing the fucking girl gang thing. And then Zero Woman comes out and it fucking, it's a, absolutely a pinky movie, but it knocks everything off the fucking table and then rebuilds it in this crazy way. And that's what this does. I mean, would you agree, John? Yeah, th there was a period where, like, I guess they just ran out of ideas of, of period pieces. So they're like, no, let's have modern people go into the castle like barren blood is similar oh, yeah yeah i think 63 64 65 is when they start to roll that out and i'll talk about those movies a little bit later but also one thing that i forgot to mention one way that this uses the gothic tropes in an interesting way is so many of those early 60s movies usually have some kind of male character who's the antagonist. He's a monster or a vampire or something like that. And he sees a human woman and has all these feelings. Like either she reminds him of somebody who lived yes. centuries ago that he loved. And that kind of happens here, except it's like the incel edition where he yeah. got dumped. Yeah. it's <laughs> And now he's living alone in his castle. Wait, did he get dumped? I thought he dumped her to yeah. go back to That's his... what it seemed oh, like. Like, like yeah. he, What happened was is he looked down one day at his fresh six yeah. pack of cum gutters on his stomach and was just like, I don't need a woman. I got my own fucking abs so over here. So that that <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole about this because apparently that was a thing. For bodybuilders, where like a big myth was that if you're celibate, you'll get a better body. Oh, and it still goes on to, to this day. Like if you go on Google and put up bodybuilder celibacy, which I did, my FBI agents. Like, oh my what God. The fuck? Honestly, yeah. he's got you on fucking mute. He's got and, you on mute, dude. And they still argue about this shit on forums to this yeah. day. Yeah, well, the That's idea is, is that before a fight, you don't want to jerk off. You want to be like completely filled with your essence. 
And what's I figure it's just because you're fucking like you want it, so you're just going crazy. It's also funny because Mickey Hargitay, the star of this film, the Crimson Executioner, he was basically the person who brought bodybuilding into the mainstream. And before, yeah, he's fucking hot, man. He, well, he like, married he married Jane Mansfield, so he was whoa. not celibate in real life. That's good. <laughs> yeah, what would be the point? No. <laughs> why why would you build a jackhammer if you're never going to leave the woods? I mean, <laughs> what? doesn't make sense but it sounds amazing what i mean they famously had a heart-shaped swimming pool in their in their california mansion where i presume they just fucked Uh, all the time good for him all right do you guys kind of want to get into the fucking crimson execution or the bloody pit of horror this movie rules this movie's incredible i I had never seen it until last year we had a, a marathon and it was it was it one that you had done, yeah, John? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. before it was, Halloween. It yeah, was one of John's Halloween marathons, and it knocked my socks off. And the Crimson Executioner, this character King. that this movie sets <laughs> up, when it was when it was Travis. over, I looked over at you, John, and I said, like, "Holy shit! I can't wait to watch the next one." And you were like, "What do you mean the next one?" that's it it's one of the great tragedies of our age you know what would have been great if he survived and it was all an origin story for a santo villain that would have been perfect the perfect team absolutely this movie feels a lot of times like a mexican horror movie or of course a spanish horror movie even though it is italian because of just how like i mean his fucking costume and how horny he is like that horniness (laughs) with the costume well to go to go back to what sam said bodybuilding was being was getting big and like they were looking for new things to revamp this genre and like those guys they're they're in them like in black sunday that's who kills barbara Steele. these but they're just in the background they just started in for like the execution scene and that's it do you think that it was an absolute crime against humanity i'm talking about like think about the worst instances throughout history of man Right. Mm-hmm. And this right. is up there along with like, you know, the Armenian genocide. Okay, stop. Okay. It's Don't up say there. the G word. Okay. It's up there with some really big ones Yeah, that we did not get. A whole fucking series? At least 25 movies with the Crimson Executioner. Well, and the Demented thing is, like I said, I'll, I'll talk about them more in a little bit, but there are other movies where hot young models or dancers or performers show up to a castle and there's some sort of monstrous entity in the castle who tortures them. And in almost all of those movies, the figure in the castle is supernatural in some way, either a ghost or a vampire or a weird Phantom of the Opera blob. And they all come back from the dead. So why can't he? This reminded me of, it was as if, Someone had a time machine. Someone from like the fucking late 80s got a time, like the DeLorean. They went in the fucking DeLorean. They went back in time and there was some guy who was supposed to make some Bava ripoff movie. And just before he set out for production, they were like, here, watch this. And they gave him the mutilator. You know, like they gave him some fucking (laughs) wacky slasher flick from the future. And he was like, oh, oh, you know, and got the idea. Have you ever heard of the Crimson Executioner? Who did you say? The Crimson Executioner. He was a maniac and a killer who was put to death for his crime centuries ago. He was buried in his own castle. What you don't know is that this is the castle where the Crimson Executioner lived and died. When I came here, the castle had been uninhabited for centuries. 
For me, it was ideal because I desired solitude. Everybody else feared the curse that had been placed on it. When they sealed up his tomb, the Crimson Executioner swore that he would avenge himself. He was a man of extraordinary physical strength, obsessed by an ideal of purity. For centuries, he was entombed there in the dungeons, and only a seal has protected mankind from his supernatural powers. If the shadow in the photograph is the Crimson Executioner, I fear anything might happen. I had to tell you. What's really like interesting about this movie is that it's a lot more violent, a lot more mean-spirited, but at the same time, I find it so much more innocent than other gothic horror movies because yes. of so lo-fi and yeah. how how crummy the effects are and everything. So it's such like a weird, sweet and salty blend of a movie. Which is why it also lends itself to that feeling of being part of this enormous franchise. Like it feels like. It, it uh, could be an episode of a Santo series or a Zadoichi or fucking... Can you imagine yeah. Zadoichi you know? fighting the Crimson no, Executioner? No, Z- Zadoichi meets the Crimson Executioner. Yeah, no, no, no. I think, I think like sort of like uh, like one-armed swordsman or one-armed boxer where it's like he doesn't have his own series. He just pops up in other um, people's yeah, series. That totally. would be tighter. Okay. Real quick, before we get off the stupid point of this um, imagined world where we have 25 of these movies, here's a question for you. If you had to delete from reality a beloved franchise, say like Doctor Who, Zadoichi, Godzilla, Halloween, Halloween series, one of those gets deleted in order for the Crimson Executioner oh. to have his 25 My film answer is Halloween. Run. Okay. Peace out, Michael Myers. See you later. Hello, Crimson Executioner. I can't live without Halloween and Halloween 3. Halloween 3 okay. is the greatest. So, and which is why, like, I feel like because you're not the biggest Halloween fan, I'm saying, like, what? That's a fine answer. Though. I mean, I can't live but without like, Jason Takes Manhattan. All so. right. <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking black. There's. All right, John. I what? can't. I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not. I'm not playing. I can't. You don't want to play this game? What's your answer? Yeah, what's your answer? What would I delete from reality to have that? Oh, wait. No, the obvious answer is the Hellraiser franchise because other than the first two, it's just punishment. But can you live without the first two? I love the first two. Yeah, so do I. Oh, my God. Crimson Execution are getting the fucking Hellraiser box. And oh wow! You yeah. live in a torturer's paradise. Oh my God, that's the that's the real. That's the crossover we need. I would. Oh my God! Because thing is, is, is I want to say something that's beloved. Just beloved. say it. I already said Halloween and Hellraiser. But those were easy because half the movies in the series suck. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so but that, that's in this, we don't know how good these later Crimson Executioner All movies right. are. Gonna no, be. Is- <laughs> <laughs> like they could start getting bad after four. Like you could end up in space. Can you imagine his Tombs of the Blind Dead crossover? I'm oh, deleting wow. James Bond from reality. Get out of here! You can't. These the Crimson Executioner wouldn't exist without pulp what? novels. Guess what? James Bond is gone. And in its place, we have 25 Crimson Execute. And, and they're still coming out. They're still coming out today. No way. I can't stand it anymore. Let me go. The Crimson Executioner invented the torture of icy water for creatures like you. My vengeance needs blood. The Crimson Executioner cries out for blood. 
he is kind of like a weird, sexy Bond villain. Yes, I was thinking. I was thinking of replacing like Bond with him, but then I was like, no, he should be a Bond villain. But what's so awesome about him though is that like, yeah, he's a villain. I mean, I'd imagine it would be kind of like Godzilla, where he's like a villain in the first handful, and then they like reboot him in the fucking 80s, and he's like a friend of the children, and then they do the gritty again in the later 90s where he's back to being a villain. Or you can always do a thing where you introduce a villain that's even worse. So a like you friend can of yeah. the children? Yeah. <laughs> he, likes to, he likes to torture women. Can hey, you imagine kids love it. the Godzilla's Revenge of the Crimson Executioner series, where it's like this little Japanese boy and this guy in a monster like costume. <laughs> sitting on a log watching the crimson executioner like torture women all right all right (laughs) dearest oh wait wait wait. sam deegan no wait so something that you brought up i i just need to chime in i feel like an important influence for this movie that ties into exactly what you were just saying so like obviously we mentioned italian gothic horror but this so the whole movie is basically about these people who put out giallo type horror pulp paperbacks and they're there to take pictures for their paperback. But what he feels like is do either of you know what the Fumetti Nero are? No, what's that? They're these Italian comic books. Uh, Danger Diabolic is one. Okay. They're written for adults and they're sexy. They involve crime. Usually, well, is it like uh, Italy's answer to EC comics type things? I was, like th- I was thinking more like manga. Yeah, Italian manga. It's, oh, it's okay. more like that because I feel like EC comics are still for kids. They're yeah, just maybe yeah. for like younger Edgy. teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas these are definitely for adults. And they almost always focus on villains or antiheroes like Satanic and Criminal, like with a K, and Danger Diabolic. Yeah. He feels like he wandered in from one of those. Again, that's also why I, I didn't, in my first viewing, pick up on the gothic horror vibes. I picked up on those comic book vibes that you're describing. Like, this is a comic book movie. It's amazing. Like, it feels like... <laughs> For weirdos. No, yeah, no, it's yeah, definitely yeah. like comic book just leaked all over this gothic horror exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah. Because I, I know this is such an obvious thing to say, but that black and white for gothic horror is so important. Yeah, and this is just in blood red color, as but, they say. And it's in that 60s bright color like yeah. the you Where know things it, just pop right like, it right really right pops. it looks like a comic book page it doesn't look like you know like in the 70s when it starts like oh let's look like a documentary like no we're gonna look yeah. like so bright and, and, and even even his like so he has these sort of like man servants at the castle who oh, are his guards in this and, like swedish sailor yeah. outfits yeah or something. and they have these like striped shirt total sailor outfits and in an actual gothic horror movie they would be wearing like tails or some yes. like yeah. some like moldy velvet coat yeah they, they they feel like henchmen in a santo movie they uh, look like them because a lot of times the santo villain will be the wolfman and for some reason the wolfman's helpers are wearing striped shirts and dressed like sailors it's amazing yeah it's really really cool i was about to ask you before before you said all that i got too excited just basically for a general plot overview but you you kind of set it up perfectly that the movie starts out with this group of it's like a photographer uh, a writer and a bunch of a producer sexy, overseeing everything precisely and then there's this like and it's a group of like sexy 20 30 somethings who are looking for a place to stage photographs and you were saying for like these book covers or 
I was I was kind of confused on that, but then when I realized, like, okay, this guy is writing the books that they are making these yeah. sexy covers Why is for. The writer there? They're all together. They're it's they're amazing. on this great vacation. Mm, what is you? Hey, we don't want to lose you. Hmm, sure looks gloomy. How would you girls like to have a castle this old to live in? You'd have to be a creep to live in a place like this. I'd love to have a house like this all for myself. Imagine the peace and beauty of living all alone. <laughs> You're a funny one, all right. All right, girls. What's wrong? Are you tired? I don't know what it is, Harry. I just feel very uneasy. No. Susie. Let me alone, Ralph. Don't be like that, baby. Everybody will see it. Have it your way. Are you all dead? Hello, is everybody out? If they're all out, how can anyone be in the house? Huh, the brain has spelled it out. I'm not just a dumb blonde, you know. Who says you're a blonde? It must be in Hello, why doesn't anybody answer? Maybe nobody lives here. What a nuisance. We might as well try to get in anyway. Well, they, so they did these things, and I would love to find some one day. I know they exist in English as well. They're called photo novels, basically photo novellas, where they tell a story. It's sort of like a bridge between a a pulp novel and a comic book where they have these like lurid pictures throughout. And so it's very, it's not like just pictures of ladies in bikinis. It's like they're being murdered or, you know, that's uh, more more horror themed photos. I mean, that's what David Wilt was telling us. The guy we interviewed for the Santo episode about how Santo got his start in these comics that were just basically like pictures of Santo and like pictures of like, he would pose like fighting Dracula and, it wasn't painted drawings in like regular comic things. And, and what did you just call them? Something novellas or a photo novel, photo novella. Yeah. It's a, what a cool medium. Except for sure. I feel like in the real world, you wouldn't have the writer along. Hey, you know, movie magic, baby. But the writer. So, okay. The, the basic plot is they go to this castle. They knock on the door. No one will let them in. And so they fucking break in and and the Crimson Executioner, who at that point we know as Travis. Travis. I love that his name is Travis. (laughs) Like he's a fucking member of Blink-182, you know? (laughs) It's better than Curtis. If his name was Curtis, I wouldn't have taken him seriously at all. But Travis is a rough name for the Crimson Executioner. I feel like maybe that's why he took that whole identity. It was just to escape Travis. Yeah, he was living his whole life as Travis. And, you know, he's like, you know what? I got to work out. <laughs> gotta put on my little mask and no sex, no sex, no sex. Just gotta oil myself up. Oh my god, when he gets all oiled up, there's like a five minute scene where he's like saying threatening shit to and he's just in the mirror. And you just imagine, like, if this movie was made in the 80s, he would be jerking off. Yeah, and the whole time he's <laughs> saying this shit, he's just fucking rubbing baby oil all over his chest. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's very like frank booth in blue velvet yeah and, and instead of <laughs> huffing yes. the fucking nitrous he's just he's just huffing the steroids <laughs> don't be a good neighbor to her i'll send you a love letter straight from my heart fucker you know what a love letter is it's a bullet from a fucking gun fucker you receive a love letter from me you're fucked forever. You understand, but, fuck? So they show up and they're like, hey, 
can we use your castle? And he's like, I live in solitude. I am alone and perfect and misunderstood. No, you may not use my castle. But then he sees this lady who shows the least amount of skin I've ever seen in a movie. Like she's fully buttoned up long skirt. Turns out it's his ex-girlfriend. And so he's like, okay, you can spend the night, but you have to leave in the morning. And whatever he says, throughout, he says whatever the craziest you do, shit. he has the best dialogue of Ugh. all time. Whatever you do, don't go in the dungeons. And so they're like, okay, go in the dungeons and take our pictures anyway, even though you said we couldn't. Yeah. And so that's when he's like, I'm going to fucking so, torture people. Yeah, but the movie, it, it spends at least 20 minutes with these characters just like taking pictures. And like it does these like kind of not very funny but very endearing three stooges buster keaton kind of style of jokes where it's like or or like almost like silent film acting jokes Uh, it's 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 weird because like they're jokes but they're not funny which makes them funny it's that weird like honestly spin that's that's italian comedy right yeah i love it that's italian comedy they're they're like they're not a funny people but they italian comedy is so funny you just can't appreciate it yeah maybe (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it's funny at all. You need to see Toto in action. The band? No, the Italian <laughs> comedic genius. Oh my god, well, the fucking I'll rains down in Africa. I'll introduce you to Toto one day. <laughs> Fulci did a bunch of Toto movies, right? Wasn't that a start? He sure did. Yeah. yeah, Pasolini made a movie with him too that's very funny. Okay, so... That's a great setup. There's these people in a castle. They're taking these sexy photos, and they keep cutting to this like creepy guy, Travis. You know, <laughs> who's a former actor, a former actor, bodybuilder guy, and like weird in a way that is not like Gothic Castle weird. Most Gothic Castle, like when they have like a weird guy, he's like, oh, he's very serious, he's, like Christopher Lee. Usually yes, he's got to stick up his butt. He's got a stiff upper lip and he's like scary. And no haunted backstory. They always have they're, a haunted yes, backstory. They're always Nothing. tragic yes. and misunderstood. And he's just like a, a weird proto weirdo. incel rage monster. Yeah. <laughs> a loner who plays chess against himself. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and and gets mad and knocks the pieces all yeah, over. Yeah. It's, it's like a total like like a Ben Shapiro move to have like a chessboard, even though you have nobody to play with, but he's gonna have it there so he looks smart. He's yeah. Like, oh, oh my gosh. Wow. It reminds me, I don't know why I just thought of this. It reminds me of how allegedly, uh, I hope this is true, but I don't want to look it up because I've believed this story for years. Allegedly, when Richard Nixon moved into the White House, he didn't have anyone to play any games with him. So he had a a bowling alley installed in the basement of the White House and would just bowl by himself and sometimes he would force the secret service to bowl with him yeah. because he had wow. no friends i i may be mistaken but i think lbg put the bowling alley in really yeah i'm not sure what the fuck did i say lbg you did lbj but anyway yeah i'm not too sure um, i mean i'm pretty sure mr big dick energy could find someone to bowl oh yeah. with him oh yeah lbj was fucking packing <laughs> but anyway yeah anyway <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, now that we're kind of set up and we have a general gist of the movie, where we are, what is... Uh, I'll start with you, John. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite moment in this film? I've been ticking like a $2 watch. I know. I've been seeing you over there, man. I've been <laughs> Just like, to bring up the fucking spider scene. Let's fucking go. Let's it's, go. It's, it's the De Palma set piece it is. Of, of this, of it's, this it's, masterpiece. It's the battleship Potemkin stairway scene of this film, oh, for it sure. Is. And it also is the scene where it 
abruptly takes a shift into a different yes. territory. I mean, this movie is very, very strange and weird up until that point. But the moment that that scene happens, we are officially in fucking La La we Catapulted land. into sheer insanity. It, it doesn't even like, like even the other torture stuff, it just, it makes sense because it's like, oh, you know, we got a crazy guy. We got some pretty women and torture devices. Yeah. This one is just like, what the fuck is going on? And like you guys brought up the fan theory that never crossed my mind that the spider may be just a prop like within the movie. I never in my head thought that that was ever supposed to be a real spider. I thought it was like... Uh, it looks so it, bad. It's like the spider in a <laughs> yeah, Shaw Brothers it's... movie where it's actually... What it is, is it's a weapon. The spider is like an right, ancient weapon right. thing. And it's not supposed to be Do a real giant spider. Do you think he's borrowing the spider from Web of Death, the yes. Shaw Brothers movie? Yes. It's <laughs> this, no, this is like first Doctor era special oh, effects. Yeah. It, so it, which it which is. is crazy because the special effects in this movie are by Carlo Rambaldi. Who, Wait, really? That's my understanding. Whoa. Who worked on E.T. and Possession and Fulci's movies. Yeah, yeah. Made this fucking King spider. Kong. He made the 70s King Kong. Well, the thing is, though, uh, even though like we are joking about the spider, Spider being kind of shoddy. It's demented. When they open the door to that scene <laughs> and the woman explains the predicament she is uh, in. Yes, like she understands everything. Wait, okay, can you describe for anyone listening to the episode who hasn't seen the movie yet, just describe the scene. So the main characters, the writer and I think uh Travis's yes, ex-girlfriend. Rick, Rick is Rick. the writer. Um they they catch when something's going on. People are dying. And they need to escape and they want to gather the girls and leave this castle. So they open this one door <laughs> where they hear scream. I think they hear screaming and they see one of the models on what's supposed to be a spider web with a f fake toy spider dangling uh, next to her. And she's like, listen, the spider's going to get me. You can't come it's and save me. It's covered in poison. Yes, it's covered. It said, uh, yeah, yeah, it's covered in poison. And if you come in here and you hit like one of the web, arrows are going to shoot out and kill and you. And they show 10 crossbows all <laughs> aimed at her. So the so the guy decides like, no, I'm going to crawl underneath the web and, and save her. And 20 minutes and, later. And the whole time that he is doing this act to save her life, she's like, no, it's useless. I'm already dead. She's like, give up. Yeah. Now. yeah. Don't you see? It's a diabolical trap. It's impossible for anyone to reach me. These wires are connected to the bows on the wall. The slightest touch will release the arrows in every direction, and anyone nearby will be killed. Nobody can stop the mechanism that operates. The spider. It has poison in its claws. I'll be killed the moment it reaches me. Now it's hopeless. Oh, it is it is absolutely wonderful. But like even though like we were saying it it, it looks a little shoddy, the spider, but when they do that that establishing shot of the whole room. It's so yeah. cool. It's, it's really cool. Yes, and and the level of detail that this lady knows about her predicament <laughs> and the amount of like ex expository just her monologue is just it's incredible and it's, it goes it's, on so i know long. it's like she just got done watching the entire jigsaw video where the guy's <laughs> like oh, you want to play a game and explains to her like you know in 30 seconds you're fucking you know your dick's gonna explode from this thing that i have on like i don't know like 
I haven't seen this Saw movie in a long time, but like he explains everything to her and she's just ready to go with to uh, repeat it all back to Rick. It really such... it's it's the point of the movie where you are officially like you're there. Or you're not there. I I came across this review today that was the first time I felt shocked in a while. The I forget it was for just like some dinky blog, but it starts off like you know, every once in a while, you come across a movie that has one of the greatest titles ever. I was like, yes, agreed, which is why I kept reading. And then he's like, and, you know, sometimes a movie just doesn't deserve its title. And this is one of those movies. And like, I made it 15 minutes and was so like bored and mad that I didn't want to keep watching. Oh, I was like, delete. God. <laughs> Close oh my out God. this page. Oh, so I love watching this movie, like carving pumpkins. It's like perfect to do that. Like when you're setting up a Halloween party, cause like, if you put your attention, you focus attention on something else for a few minutes, you're fine. You're not going to get lost. Yeah. But I don't mean that in a disparaging way. It's no. just, but it has that great atmosphere that just like put it in between a Vincent Price movie and a Hammer movie and your little thing while you're setting up the cobwebs on the wall. Absolutely. I mean, the whole first chunk where they're just like taking sexy pictures in this sexy castle. horror movie pictures. Yeah, they're like posing. Yeah, they're doing the, the like torture devices themselves look like something you would build in your garage in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. like you just found. I know. Out. I know. Yeah. So it's so funny how when they got to the torture devices, like there's the. Uh, the lover of death the, the, what's which the looks one like a fucking scarecrow yes. oh my god <laughs> a that's... scarecrow that just like swings from the ceiling that but, thing's really but goofy some of them are accurate the one where they tie the girl to like a, it looks like a bull and then they they put the fire inside oh, it and she, oh, oh that's yeah. a real thing right yeah, for yeah. sure yeah. i mean a lot of them are and, and they have the classic one that's like the rack the stretching yes rack when yes. they're pulling you know but the fucking love it the one that is my absolute favorite. I mean, obviously, the spider scene. Yes. That's the fucking, you know, that's the centerpiece. That's the fucking Thanksgiving turkey. But, you know, Thanksgiving's not complete without some fucking stuffing. You know what I'm saying? Right. And the stuffing of this movie is this rotating wooden... Uh, it's like a cage, like a triangular cage that different women are tied to. All of the girls. Like there's a pyramid. Like, it's a yeah, rotating like pyramid. Three hot 60s babes. Each one is tied up to this spinning thing. And the Crimson Executioner in just absolute gleeful madness. It's so good. Is like sticking the sword out further and further so it keeps like getting closer and closer to their nipples, to their nipples. yes and, but, and but the way he like hits the sword in like he he's just, playing whack-a-mole yes but, but he looks so gleeful yeah, yeah, while he he's does. doing it Ugh. he's sweating bullets he's so fucking horny and he keeps talking about sin and yeah. sinning you know yeah. so there's this like repressed i haven't come in three years oh energy God. coming out of this guy yep. and the reason why, okay, this scene's wonderful. It's a great it's scene. It's so good. But what makes it is there's a quick titty flash for like a second. And it's like, it's really erotic and gross. It's, it's revealed so slowly. Yes. And, and then it, like it keeps happening again, but you never see another titty again. But you're kind of like. Where is it? You're uh, looking for him. You're looking for yeah. him. It, it is really, really hot. And gross, but like, and but it, like, hot in a way that I feel like a lot of twelve or thirteen year olds. It's like this movie emerged from like pu kid puberty brain. Yes, like, <laughs> which is why it, it kind of it aptly it, has that Marquis de Sade 
ripoff vibe where like but but i feel like you were saying this at the beginning of the episode there's this weird sense of like purity or innocence to the movie that yeah, john was saying not, that. Um, yeah yeah, yeah. it's not in any sad writing whatsoever i mean the the heart of meanness is there it's just the execution is so yeah i, I don't want to say lackluster because i think they definitely tried no, but i yeah. mean it's just like they, it's not really sleazy no. in a yeah. way that but but like the they other... didn't have a budget like if this movie if if you if you tripled this movie's budget so they could like do all these things in a in a in a better in a a, a more um effective manner yes a more, yes 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 then i feel like that would be closer to that but so, the fact that it's not this movie to me like i was saying earlier how it, it, the first time i watched it i didn't i wasn't overwhelmed with the gothic horror vibes that i absolutely picked up on the second time watching it but we also watched it right after what was that cool movie we watched with barbara Steele? oh oh we watched uh nightmare castle nightmare mm. castle okay this it was awesome it was like the most one of the most low budget gothic castle movies With but the great paul mueller who uh, is still it had, alive it had such great vibes anyway well and what i think what we probably should have watched massimo papillo who directed this film didn't make too many movies but he did make this gothic horror trilogy of which this is the second. And right before this, he made this movie called Terror Creatures from the Grave or from Beyond the Grave, which Barbara Steele is in. And oh, it, I can't wait to it watch that. It's a, good. Yeah. Oh, it's, I'm going to love it. I yeah, can't wait. It's not like up there with like Castle of Blood or Black Sabbath, but it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it has a similar sort of Nightmare Castle vibe where it's like her ancestor from yeah. the past. Conceived in a murder haunted house of blood by the maniac called Geronimus. A dead man with the monstrous power to return from his grave. Terror Creatures from the Grave, starring Barbara Steele. But when I first watched this movie, all of these torture devices and this gleeful energy, this almost like celebration of torture and eroticism... It made me think of this movie as being proto-torture porn, like a very early riff on that genre that obviously exploded with like Saw and Hostel. And I was thinking about other movies that came out around this time. Like, are there any other movies that you guys can think of from like the 60s, 70s that you would consider as being proto-torture porn? I mean, just in relation to this movie alone... Something we haven't talked about yet is Walter Brandy, who stars as the writer of this film. Um, the writer in the film. He's not the screenwriter. The writer who goes around the castle and is basically the hero of the movie is not somebody who I think is super recognizable to cult movie fans today, but he was like one of the big stars of Italian Gothic cinema. And he's in all these movies that have a similar vibe like the vampire and the ballerina and the playgirls and the vampire and monster of the opera well he's not in monster of the opera but it's and those are like torture porny kind similar. of movies it's they're all these movies where young models and dancers and actresses go to a castle in present day italy and there's some sort of like monster or vampire who like the whole point of the movie is he's in love with one babe and then he just like has a great time killing everyone else. Nice. And 
they don't go as wildly over the top as Bloody Pit of Horror, but it's like the same formula. You also have the, we just watched for my Edgar Allan Poe marathon a couple weeks ago, this Christopher Lee movie called Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism that is, it's like Christopher Lee plays this aristocrat who loves murdering women. He gets drawn and quartered in this great scene at the beginning of the movie. And then he comes back from the dead because he's so stoked about killing women on the torture devices in his castle. And so it's like, there are a bunch of them. They just aren't as nasty. Are there any that you can think of from that time? I don't know. You know, what's so funny though is like, like Sam said, there's so many, torture device movies that I didn't make the correlation between torture porn and those type of movies. Yeah, when like, because when you think about like the newer ones, like say, uh, especially the Saw series, which really like kicked off that early mid aughts torture porn. Oh, it's the most reprehensible new genre. To, like it's like a new new kid right, on the block. Right. It's, it's like what it was because it was replacing the slasher, the 90s slasher revival. But really it wasn't a new kid on the block. It was another revival of a thing that was popular in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, you had Mark of the Devil. Mark of the fucking Devil, Which is yeah. probably my favorite of the whole entire genre. Yeah, yeah. And, like, why is well, torture porn more reprehensible than the slasher movie? You're like, just because you're using a torture device rather than just, like, stabbing them in the or, open or makes it worse? Or the Jalo movie, where yeah, right. it's basically well, the whole point of all three of these is just these great set pieces where you watch people get murdered. Yeah. I mean, also in the late 60s... People like Michael Finlay and Herschel Gordon-Lewis. Herschel Gordon-Lewis is the one who I I, I was hoping we can talk about real quick because he's someone who... he invented the Ruffy in the 60s, right around this time. I mean, he is considered the... uh, Godfather of gore. The godfather of gore. The godfather of torture porn. Yeah. And and, and like, what is the wizard of gore than like... A fucking torture porn. 2000 Maniacs. 2000. Yeah, that's exactly it. There there are these weird fucking devices. Blood sucking freaks. The Incredible Torture Show. Yeah. Yes. R.I.P. Joel M. Reed. Incredible movie. He was an evil genius of pain. With the most bizarre machines and tools ever created to torture the body of woman. Yes. Torture. And torture. And torture. But keeping that once beautiful body alive so it can suffer more and more and more. He turned young virgins into flesh-eating cannibals and set them loose in a frenzy of pain-filled orgies. Sardou. He was the creator and the director. He was the master of... Blood-sucking! Freaks. A show that will make anyone wretch. You're supposed to have fun with this weird, gross-out stuff, which is why Bloody Pit of Horror, to me, even though it's... it's What set this off is you were saying, John, that it's not as mean... It has this like you know childlike kind of. It's so oafish that, yeah. it, that it's hard to take it as malicious. Which have you seen Delirium? No. Mickey Hargitay worked somewhat regularly with this director named Renato Pulselli, who I'm a huge fan of, who, like Massimo Papillo, is one of those Italian directors who's like not a name unless you're super into Italian horror. He made this movie called Delirium that's he stars as the like sweatiest cop on earth investigating these serial crimes, but 
I don't want to give too much away, but it's it's sort of like the super nasty version of this where oh, I, I don't want to call it torture porn exactly because it's more of like a serial killer giallo yeah. thing, but it's so unpleasant. Well, it's it's honestly it's hard to call bloody pit of horror as a torture porn movie or even to call yeah. mark of the devil as a torture porn movie well people because, do with that one because the term really is it's used in a derogatory manner yes you know you mean that there's no style there's no it's fun. just it's because porn but, the idea of porn it's like ugh, porn this right. is made for cheap in five minutes and there's only one purpose the only problem with like saw and hostile is that they just like they suck aesthetically because they're like that like alts like new metal yeah hot well, topic horror more so the saw series that they feel like they were like oh hey we once watched a video from fucking nine inch nails and we're gonna yeah, just like yeah. ruin our movie we, with we this heard style. we heard from charlie sheen about the guinea pig films i forgot <laughs> all about guinea pig that's oh, another oh, yeah. for sure for sure john what was the movie that you showed me when we were kids it's like a found footage movie uh, that's like mer- it's torture porn. August Underground. Yeah. Yes. What the fuck was that? That was disgusting. Yeah. And- that was that was like the 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 whole like extreme thing. Like like we're gonna do like we're gonna outdo Saul and Hostel. It was like this like underground edge lord. Like, total edge lord. Yeah. I I I heard about it because the singer from Necrophagia showed up in one of. I think it was the sequel we watched. Yeah. And it was just like. It was like toe tag production. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it was just like I got it. Like, oh wow, this is like watching like a snuff film. Like, if we're if we got like the Henry Lee Lucas uh, video from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, and then after like ten minutes, it was just like okay. yeah. I remember sitting and we were like watching it, and like the most shocking scene was a scene where they were all like puking on each yes, other. Yes, yeah. And yeah. like one girl character was like really cutting her stomach with a razor. And you could like see like blood squirting out. You can tell it was real, but like it was just like why? Yeah. What's the point Stupid. of this? Yeah, yeah. It's just, okay. when you try too hard, it's just like come yeah. on. Uh, so last night, in order to do research for this, because we take our jobs here at Twitch of the Deathner very seriously, we do we do lots of research. It's not just a fucking free for all joke fest. Um, last night, Sam and I watched a film. Just to give better context to... Because you insisted. That's why we watched The it. whole reason we did this episode is so you could get Sam to watch this movie. Yeah. I honestly feel like that was Me it. too. Sam, can you tell the people at home how you felt about Eli Roth's Hostel Part 2? Well, this gives me a good opportunity to talk about how much I fucking hate Eli Roth. He's the worst example of... Like a mainstream horror gym bro who probably has some things in common with the Crimson Executioner in that yeah. he just like stands in front of the mirror and talks about how perfect his abs are. And one of the things I hate about his movies, aside from the utter lack of style and it, it just it's like all the dialogue you can hear it coming out of Eli Roth's mouth yeah, that was probably the most grating aspect about watching this movie. So I saw it maybe like over a decade ago, and I remember being kind of charmed by it because I saw the first Hostel and I thought it was a piece of shit. It is. A piece it, of it, shit. it was it was just awful, like just a bad movie. And then a few years later, uh, a friend of mine whose opinion I care about 
insisted to me, Hostel Part 2 is great. I promise you, watch it. You're going to love it. And I was like, there's no fucking way. But, you know, I love you, so I'm going to watch it. And I watched it, and it was very, I thought it was very charming. This time watching it, uh... <laughs> it was honestly, it was better than I was expecting it to be. It moved at a pretty quick pace. And I guess I I could say I was entertained or I, I wasn't like mad the whole time, but yeah. all the dialogue, I feel like he... That was so grating. Every character was just like a gross Eli Roth Well, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like he does this thing that's pretty specific to him where he writes these characters and these scenes and these lines of dialogue that are super misogynistic and they're framed. It, it's sort of like the way a lot of bros are like, they make a gross joke and then if they get called out on it, they're like, well, I was just kidding. Of course I don't think that. Yeah. 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 And that's how his movies feel to me is like, I can watch bloody pit of horror, which is like all about torturing women. And I'm like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. But like five minutes of an Eli Roth movie, it's like, he's clearly like he gives off the most disgusting date rapist vibes. Yeah. His movie, Eli Roth movie is like, if you put a five finger death punch shirt on a trauma movie. Oh my God. Ugh. Yes. I think that's really wait, so I... wait, wait, no, no, I got, I got you guys beat because this just happened to me yesterday. Uh-oh. Oddly enough, maybe there was a reason why I got called into work. They watch football at work. So then they leave the TVs on news channel. And so I'm walking around and look who I see on TV. Eli Roth <laughs> pitching like selling the show about real life stories of de- demon possessed pets. And I'm like, wow, how far have you fucking dropped, dude? Wow. Yeah. Wait, have I ever told you both the the classic Eli Roth MySpace story? No. No. Wow, the days of MySpace. Yes. I miss MySpace. I do too. You could have your own song. I know. Your top eight. Oh my god, if somebody pissed me off and like out of the top eight. Or or I'll just pick like I'll do subtle where I put like one or two people ahead of them and be like, (laughs) yeah, we are. Yeah, they know. They see it. They see it. So if you that was evil, man. It was. It was so passive aggressive. Uh, if you Google search this, you will find that I am not making this up. And somebody screenshotted it and put it into this like live journal article or like a blog post. But he regularly interacted with his fans in like the early years of him making movies, and had this like exchange with a fan where he took things from like two to 11 and was like, wow, that comment was so exciting that I just went and jerked off. And he, he posted in the chat pictures of his cum tissues. Oh my God. Wow. So yeah, gross. Like, honestly, he is, he is the epitome of just like American grossness you know which is why with these hostile movies the only nice thing i can say about them is that somehow he happens to like perfectly otherize and fetishize the grotesqueries of eastern european and european people in general in a way that is like genuinely sleazy and gross you know like like we were saying recently about how you need an eye like Fulci making the New York Ripper to like see how gross America is. He does the same kind of like gross other eyed vision of Europeans. Well, but I mean, is it hard to make rich perverts look fucking gross? No, obviously no, but not. But it, it also it would be. And now that you say that, 
It would be kind of an interesting double feature with something like a Serbian film, which is, you know, made in Serbia by Serbians, but sort of captures the same vibe of this like underground conspiracy sex pervert ring that escalates things from just plain hardcore to... I've never seen that. I've never seen it either. It's... is it actually good? I really like it because, like, yes, it's a gross torture porny type thing. Right. But if you think about it as being like a weird absurdist comedy, it's okay. kind of great. Okay. Because th- so many of those I just like avoided because of the whole Saw, Hostel, August Underground thing where it's like these movies sound like they're trying to. I've never seen Martyrs. I've never, you know. Don't see Martyrs. It's no. I'm sure yeah. that someone listening to this is mad at me right now, but Martyrs is just... It has the thing that I hate about torture porn where it just feels really like repetitive and boring. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know where this is going. Yeah. But you should watch, if you haven't seen it, this Serbian movie called Life and Death of a Porno Gang. Okay. About this like traveling circus. They're like a punk circus group who travel. Like the World Inferno Friendship Society. Exactly. And they travel (laughs) around the countryside doing live sex shows and they get paid by someone to do more and more extreme stuff that's captured on video say no more say no more it's amazing whoa does it sounds uh, cool does it go like into like and yes and there's sick and somehow it got a theatrical distribution but there's bestiality in it Wow! Come on, no spoilers. Yo, let's watch this movie. We should do an episode on it. Holy shit! Life and death. What what you just said got me so excited. I went to the bathroom and jerked off. (laughs) Yeah, here are the tissues. (laughs) Um, I'm just really happy that I feel like I've made an impact in horror. I mean, that was all I wanted was to, you know, I didn't necessarily come in and the goal was never to come in and just try and take over and change what it was just to come in and make a difference well anyway mickey hargitay <laughs> uh, you know what his last role was who the crimson executioner yeah mickey hargitay uh, was it on an episode of law and order svu yes with his, with his daughter yes, with his daughter yes. his daughter is Mar- the main girl Mariska from hargitay olivia benson from svu that's his kid they, yeah. you oh could God. see yeah. they look similar it might not have been his very last role, but I know that was like in his the end of his career. Isn't that sweet though? Had that a is cameo awesome. on his kids' show. Where is she? Who? The girl you're torturing in all those photos. Honey, I'd like a mineral water, no ice. And I'd like your balls in a blender, but I ain't like a bitch. Oh man, I absolutely love the bloody pit of horror, the crimson executioner. The reason why we're putting this episode out now, because it's fucking October. And this it's a is Halloween party. This is a movie that it's it sets the mood in a way that you wouldn't expect. Like a lot of times you have your like nifty, creepy, cool bats on string movies, which this movie has. We got some bats on oh, string. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, hold up. But this movie, it's it's one like you were saying, John, you put it on when you're carving up some pumpkins. You put it on when you got that October feel, you know. Or let's say let's say you are one of the sad people listening to this show, like John, who doesn't have that October feel. If you're not feeling the October vibes, I mean, we're still in the beginning. I'm not saying I'm not going to get hey, it. Hey, hey, put this movie on. Okay. This'll... Also, I don't know if I believe you <laughs> because we've been talking about October vibes 
for for episodes. Yeah, no. you know what? I see this happen with John every year. I work on the boardwalk. It, I know. It's, it's I know. so hard. I see John. He gets the October vibes in August, and then when October officially hits, they turn off for a week, and he's like, "I don't feel it. Yeah. I don't feel it." And then all of a sudden, he gets that fucking boy wonder look, and you're back. Yeah, it'll, it'll happen. I'll write. I'll watch the right movie at the right time. I'll smell the burning smell that's in the air. Oh and yeah, go, we got okay. it. We got it. That's it. I think I might go light. Like, I mean, get a fire pit, not just light random things on fire. No, no let's go out in you the woods. You could do both. And just yeah. set don't some limit yourself. Tree on fire ah remember with your pumpkins when you're done with them go out in the woods and smash them against trees for deer and other animals to eat yes yeah. smash your pumpkins in the woods my psa for the episode okay is there anything else you guys want to touch on about the uh the crimson executioner the bloody pit of horror or gothic italian castle freak movies I guess I would say if anyone like John is having a hard time getting into the spirit, one of the things that always works for me, aside from watching early universal horror, is watching these like weirdo 60s and 70s Euro horror movies set in castles. Like Jess Franco made them and Jean Rollin made them and Bava made some and they're just, I love them. What's the weird French genre that I've only seen one movie within it? And I know Franco is like, this is big with him, or, or, or Roland maybe was big with him. Uh, we watched a movie called Midi Minute. Or Midi, Midi Minuit. Yeah, Midi Minuit. I, I put it on when we like first met and I was trying to impress you. Like, hey, check out it this movie. It worked because I'd been dying to see it. Yeah, yeah. I felt really cool. <laughs> There's a whole magazine from the 70s and 80s in France named after it. Yeah. And it's, what's that genre called? The Fantastique. Yeah. It's sort of like a crossover between fantasy, surrealism, and horror that is uniquely French. Yeah. Jean Rollin is a great example. Jean Cocteau. I would love to to get into that genre some more oh, yeah. because it's definitely something that is very interesting to me that I just, I'm a, I'm a new egg when well, it comes to that stuff. People have requested both Jean Rollin and Jess Franco episodes. Oh, well, well, they're coming for sure. Oh, for sure. Hell yeah. I remember when I thought it was Jean Rollin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when you first start out, especially when there's no internet. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you only just read these things. Oh, so my like, gosh, like yeah. how hard to pronounce was Lucio Fulci? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought I, I used to pronounce it like the C's were S's. Yeah, so I, was, yeah. I think a lot of people who it's like you're just you have no context right. you're reading it in a yeah. film magazine yeah <laughs> when i was a kid and i would ever this it didn't matter what the word was or who the name was it could be anything if there was a word that i didn't know like say i was reading aloud in classroom and i'm like you know i'm in fourth grade and i'm reading a chapter from indian in the cupboard to all of my like you know classmates i get to a word that i don't recognize i'm just going to put a french accent on it so it sounds like I am saying like da, 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 da. like I do that when I yeah. like don't know the word. It's like you know compartmentalized. It reminds me of when he doesn't remember Klaatu Verata Niktu. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I know your damn words. All right. All right. All right. Do you guys have any shout outs? I got a whole fucking million. You can take. You can stuff. take mine. Yeah. Okay. I got em. some. I got some shout outs now that we're at the end of the episode. Um, first and foremost, we have a book club this month. It's October. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but if you are listening, our book club this month is going to be so much fun. We're doing Edgar Allan Poe, but usually what we do is we pick 
one novel or one story and everyone reads it and they all join the uh, the chat, the hangout. Uh, this time, read any Edgar Allan Poe Choose your own adventure. Whatever you want to read. In the Raven, you know, Mask of the Red Death. No matter how long or short or a poem or whatever, read an Edgar Allan Poe story and, and come hang out with us. I would say uh, if you want more information of when we're doing it or where to meet up, DM us on Instagram and hop in our Discord if you haven't already and find out all the details on that. Yes, please. We'll probably spend half the time talking about our favorite Poe adaptations. Yes. Knowing, knowing us. Plug uh, plug number two, our, we have a Patreon that, uh, I mean, we've had it for a while. It's Sam's Patreon, but our Twitch of the Death Nerve episodes come out uh, a week early, five days early. As soon as I'm done editing them, they go up on the Patreon. But we have been doing for uh, a while now these hour-long happy hour episodes, these bonus episodes. Usually after we're done recording our main show, you know, we... we Pour a little seltzer, maybe a little whiskey, maybe a little... Maybe an entire bottle of chartreuse green like chartreuse. last time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and, and honestly, I wouldn't be overselling the the Patreon and the happy hour if I didn't think they were so good. But like, there are some times where I'm like listening to the happy hour episode and I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I wish this wasn't paywall because it's so fucking good. But also, hey, if you like the show, you like what we do and you're listening to shout outs. Please support us. Give us a support. And if, if you don't have any money, like who gives a shit? Money's stupid. Set it on fire. Uh, it's not real. It's not real. Join our Discord or at the very least, give us a like, a review. That that really helps us, you know, get new listeners. Um. Okay, sorry, I'm fucking rambling on. We have another shout out to the Cinepunks. Me and John are about to go on their main Cinepunk show with Liam and Josh to hang out and discuss a couple of our favorite October classic movies. Uh, not quite ready to reveal the titles. No, no, no not yet. Not it's yet. it's going to be really fun. I can't wait for that to come out. I can't wait to record that. Um, oh, and if if you don't recognize the name, Cinepunks are our network. They have a whole series of articles about movies on the site. It's just Cinepunks.com and lots of other great shows as well. Yeah. If you ever want to fucking start a podcast or you have a piece of writing that, you know, the New York Times won't publish, <laughs> Cinepunks. Cinepunks. We love them so much. We sure do. All right. Last, last plug. That's actually not even a real plug. Merch merch twitch the death nerve merch we don't have it we don't have it <laughs> there is there are no t-shirts there's we're nothing trying to get yeah it. so uh yeah you know at the rate that we work we'll have them ready either next week by christmas in three years there's there's <laughs> no telling but merch someday maybe who knows yes tell us if you want that and you're interested we need something cool yeah 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 I mean, like, the thing is, though, is like, yeah, no offense. I don't want to wear a fucking podcast shirt. Like, if I, if yeah. I, I, don't, I don't. No, no, I don't. no. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not, we're not going to wear it. We're going to make money. <laughs> <all that>. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, yeah. what if we found a company to team up with so that we could get Twitch of the Death Nerve scented poppers? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Fucking our cruising episode yeah. related Twitch poppers. of the Death Nerve uh, yellow bandanas. Yeah. Oh, my God. We should yeah, make our, now that weed's fucking legal, let's fucking make Twitch of the Death Nerve gummies. Do you guys want to? Listen, that's what we're doing. We're selling drugs. Gummies, poppers. I figured it out. Our merch, it's just drugs. It's just drugs. <laughs> Slide in our DMs. Join Ooh, our... tabs of acid with the Twitch of the Death Nerve logo. 
logo. Oh, hell Done. yeah. Let's go. Let's we, go. We, we, instead of gummy bears, there'll be gummy octopuses, like the from Torch oh, of the Death Nerd, yep, the from, film. From the film, yeah. Bay of Blood. Wonderful idea. Oh, my God. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> and I love everyone listening. Happy, happy October. Happy early Halloween. It's coming. It's coming.